The Money Show. Other people's money. I do like surprises. I was expecting Rachel Colisi on Zoom this evening because that's what we've become used to in the last three and three quarter years. But she's turned up in the studio, which is always nice. Good to see you. How things going? Thank you. It's so good to be here. I actually just wanted to see uh, what you were wearing this evening. And Bruce well, is looking really smart in case you were wondering. Well, you're wearing black. Is that because you didn't win? The, because the Springboks didn't do as well as they needed to do on Saturday yeah, to win the championship? We have been extremely spoiled as South Africans, I think, of just winning everything. We did win. We didn't win the championship. <laughs> but that is what we all... I, I, same as everybody else, left that game feeling like, did we just lose? No, we won. We just, we've been so used to winning all the amazing stuff. So. Next time. Can't win everything. (laughs) Save it for later. Save it for later. Now, we're going to talk about foundation this evening, and then I want to learn a bit more about you. We have something in common, although it's a a generation separate, of spending some time in Makanda, formerly known as (laughs) Grahamstown. But talk to me about the Kolisi Foundation and what you guys are up to and what you're trying to achieve in terms of the foundation. Amazing. It's my favorite topic to ever talk about. But uh, so the Kolisi Foundation, we started uh, two, almost three years ago. April will be three years ago. And uh, we target three different pillars: so gender-based violence, food and uh, food security, and education and sports development. And those really stem from. Um mine and Sia's upbringings and things that uh, affected us as youth and we feel like is still problematic that a lot of youth are still experiencing today. So, And we're actually going into a big strategy session for this side of the year and preparing for next year. Of course, it's a big year for the foundation having the World Cup. Um, and so we're doing a big strategy session um, for the next few months and really planning what we're going to be doing and uh, looking forward to that. But uh, we've made some incredible partners along the way and um, been able to do some phenomenal work. But of course, plenty still to go. Uh, I want to watch sports development separately because that's the great positive in this mm-hmm. thing. I mean, food insecurity is a crisis. 10 million yep. kids go to bed hungry every night. The official yep. stats will tell us that's a, a, an unbearable problem. Childhood development kids are stunted mm-hmm. uh, from the moment they're born they, the brains don't develop because they don't get enough nourishment don't yeah. get enough nutrition mm-hmm. that simply exacerbates the crisis of inequality in South Africa and later then contributes to issues yeah. of abuse and violence and I mean we, we're in this vicious cycle that unfortunately rather than improving uh, since 1994 has been exacerbated and has become yeah. worse yeah and I think that COVID you know as horrific as COVID was for everyone it really highlighted the food insecurity issue in South Africa. Remember the queues in those first few days of COVID before the NGOs kicked in. It was frightening. And the thing is, a lot of the community kitchens and soup kitchens that we've been, you know, journeying with since then, um, they were almost grateful for COVID because for the first time ever, they had been highlighted and the work that they do has been highlighted. And the fact is, is people were hungry before COVID, people were hungry during COVID and people are still hungry, you know, while we transitioning through COVID. So um, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done in the food security side of things. And um, I really just hope it doesn't become a conversation that dies down because COVID is kind of phasing out and we see less of the community kitchens. They still do massive amounts of work I mean, we we fund community kitchens all around South Africa and it's thousands and thousands of, you know, specifically youth and elders that are fed every day. I, I don't know how the issue dies away. I mean, I think in South Africa, we, we, we are unfortunately quite immune to 
the visual impact of poverty. Yeah. Um, but the, that has become far more real in that the tents, the tent villages that have popped up all over our cities yeah. that um, were always sort of in the background but have come to the foreground far more and are a yeah. visual reminder yeah. of the huge inequalities that exist. Visual reminder, but I also think a lot of people are becoming numb to it because it's you see it Normal. all the time. So now we get to robots and we see, you know, sometimes 20 people sleeping on the street next yeah. to us as we, you know, stopping at a robot. And um, we've become quite immune to that, I find. How, so, how fri- I mean, you, you've alluded to it, but mm. we normalize the inequalities in South Africa. We yeah. normalize poverty. We normalize suffering. Yeah, well, those of us that are privileged because it's convenient yeah. for us to normalize it yeah. and ignore it, that it's happening. I say we, you, me, yeah. I don't know, yeah. people listening to this radio show, Absolutely. normalize the stuff mm. because, well, there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. But you and Sia have committed a lot of time and energy mm. and resources to it. How are you getting funding? How are you, because you can't do it yourselves. You, yeah. <laughs> this is a, a huge gargantuan task mm. that requires many millions of rand out out every month in order yeah. to operate. Yeah, no, tons. And a part of the strategy is going to be a lot of like the fundraising planning and kind of what that looks like as well. But um Funny enough, the majority of our funding up to date has come from everyday individuals. So people that really just believe in the work that we're doing and are really inspired by the work that we're doing and donating, you know, sometimes 50 rand, 20 rand, 100 rand. Yeah, where they feel like it may not make a difference even when they're giving. But actually, you know, in the greater scheme of things, that's been our biggest um, fundraising um, opportunities. And it's just been absolutely incredible. And it just it's so moving, like knowing that someone feels like 20 rand is all they can give and that's what they give into it and I, I just it always has such an impact I think on, on us as a foundation and as a team just um, seeing how much p- people believe in the work that we're doing and um, and the vision that we have for South Africa. What is your background in terms mm-hmm. of your capacity to manage the, the 10,000 moving parts on a daily basis of, <laughs> of, 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 of a beast as, as complicated as this? Listen I um I was just wondering that myself today because I have had a mammoth of a day and I'm off to London tomorrow, um, which was a very late planned trip. But um, I'm I'm honestly still figuring it out. And um, on a daily basis, I literally live through a diary and I, I'm a strong believer in living through a diary and um, just prioritizing your day because... Um, I was saying to someone earlier, you can't outsource parenting. I still have to be a parent at the end of the day and my husband for most of the years traveling. So um, it really is quite hard juggling all the balls, but um, I really do believe... We prefer if- it when he doesn't juggle balls, <laughs> by the way. A firm grip would be is preferable. You can juggle if you need to, but he shouldn't. He does well. No, he's great. But um, I mean, he he does outside of rugby, I guess, juggle a few balls himself. But, um, but I think if you live with intention and you prioritize your days well I think that you are able to do so much more than you actually think you can and you just being intentional is challenging like when you're not in a good space but I think that if you find yourself in a good space you set some goals for what you want to achieve throughout the year and really just be intentional about that it's a game changer. How do you not get overwhelmed by the tragedy of everything you come across and yes you do good yes you alleviate that tragedy but it must get to a point where it's overwhelming because mm. the more you do, the more need is it is revealed, the mm. more need that's revealed, the more you do, the more need that's revealed yeah. because unfortunately success in your line of work um, simply brings more hardship to your door. 
It's so funny because I was recently, I did an interview recently and they said, oh, do you just go to bed and pat yourself on the shoulder every night? Like, well done, good job. I'm like, no ways. I go to bed every night thinking, flip, have we actually achieved anything? Like, are we doing any good here? Can you ever do enough? Yeah, so we have a, a motto at the foundation that we kind of live by, remember the one, one by one. And it's something that we hold very dear to us because it is a mammoth task and it always feels like it's never ending and it's a bigger problem. But just sometimes you have to remember that every single individual's person, every single individual story is important and their situation is important and it should matter to you. So I'm an individual and if I can impact or affect another individual, that essentially we believe will change the state of our nation. And it's something that we encourage other people because other people also look at this like a mammoth task. Like, where do I start? How do I even help someone else? That's all it is. Just help someone else. And if you just go out of your way and um, really just try to get yourself out of your comfort zone and into somebody else's shoes and what they might be experiencing, um, it really does make an impact. And I think we underestimate the small things so much, the small amounts of money, the small amounts of time, the one person. We underestimate that so much. And I really do believe that that's how our nation is going to change. You, you spoke earlier about how both you and CF, through your own backgrounds, through the way you grew up, from your various experiences, yeah. have been jointly motivated to start the foundation. Mm. Talk to me about your, we know CF's story better mm. than perhaps we know your story, <laughs> uh, but, but, but what's your story? You're born in Mahikeng, yeah. uh, in those days it was called Mahikeng, yeah. uh, Mahikeng <laughs> and you made your way down to Makanda, yeah. uh, formerly known as Grahamstown, yeah. but that's all we know. Yeah, so I'm one of five kids actually, we four girls and one boy, and um, my parents divorced when I was a teenager, and I struggled a lot with depression as a teenager mm. actually, and um, stats will tell you that the majority of women in South Africa have experienced gender-based violence. I haven't yet, you know, publicly um, kind of spoken about my experiences, but um, but we kind of combined both of these things that affected us as 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 individuals and as youth into. It's almost like our hearts were just combined into something and, and created this foundation and the work that we're doing. So. Um, Food insecurity didn't affect me as not nearly as much as it affected Sia, um, but uh, and the education and sports development also. I was very privileged to go to a model model C school, um, but there were other aspects of you know things that really challenged me as a youth and things that just weren't okay for me that I was seeing on a daily basis and I really wanted to see change and it's so weird because those are things that I just looked at and observed from afar, but. I'm now married to somebody who experienced that uh, on a daily basis. And I think that it's become, it's so real to me. And I think as, as South Africans in general, we've become so much more open to listening to other people's stories and other people's experiences and, um, and really just wanting to see that change for the youth in our country. And um, so that's really, I, I feel like our hearts were just intertwined into what the foundation became. And, you know, with our, with our platforms and um, just with all of these amazing achievements we are so grateful and so privileged but we feel like there's a big responsibility that comes with that and we want to give back we want to do more we want our legacy be to be left in the work that we did through the foundation and um, that's something that we believe really strongly about and uh, we're going to continue to work really hard towards but particularly when you've got small kids yeah. uh, and where you've experienced hardship as parents mm -hmm. and you look at your own kids yeah and you go right 
these kids are lucky kids. Yeah. They've got a stable family environment. Um, there's food on the table. There's a roof over their head. Um, and, you know, you, it's well known that you guys are moving to Durban because yeah. that's where the sharks are and, yeah. and that's where the job is. <laughs> so that's important. Um, so there's a little bit of a, a, a rattle there. But yeah. there are millions of kids in South Africa who just don't have that privilege. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know what? A lot of in 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 my environment, in the way that I grew up, there were a lot of challenges. You know, especially after school, I wasn't an academic. I couldn't study. Um, I just got through matric, and so there weren't a lot of options for me um, at the time. And so I started. I was working six jobs at a time. And someone recently said to me, "It's so interesting, actually, that you could work six jobs when most South Africans can't even get one." Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was working six jobs at the time um, to kind of pay the bills and um and sometimes I think about my kids I'm like shucks that's not going to be their reality and I'm like but I want that to be re their reality because um I was just telling someone also I bought my first car for 19,000 rand and it was an absolute skidoink I learned how to change spark spark plugs um learned life skills <laughs> kickstart a little car, bit of hardship change and, tires <laughs> you, know, you know don't wish hardship on anybody but no. a little bit of scarcity when you're growing up does teach you to appreciate does things later every on. person good it's so important and yeah I sometimes think about like how can I how can I create challenges for my kids <laughs> I hope they're not listening, but yeah. Well, move house. And just don't tell them. And see what happens. <laughs> it's happening. They're eight and four. It's in motion. <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly right. Um, so growing up, there was there was scarcity in the household. Mm -hmm. Not abject scarcity. Not, mm -hmm. uh, but but there was insecurity. I mean, mm -hmm. when when families break up and mm -hmm. it's tragic, that is dislocating enough. Yeah. Um, and then suddenly it's, you know, th that, you know, causes family wealth to dissipate. Mm -hmm. And suddenly there is a lot less mm -hmm. around. Mm -hmm. Did you ever talk about money at the dinner table? I mean, did you ever sort of go, uh, how the budget, how's the budget this month, mum? Yeah, all the time. And yeah. I think that that was part of the problem because that fell on us. So um, finances were very much a discussion in our house all the time. And um, Do you think money grows on trees? Has uh, that ever used on you? No, Not, but I mean, but you'll be funny now. People think money grows on trees for us. I mean, <laughs> honestly, sometimes the things people charge us for things is ridiculous. But anyway... Um, yeah, so it was very much a discussion for us at the dinner table. My dad was really good at teaching us, you know, about you work for your money, so pocket money, here's your five rand every week and, you know, save it, spend it, do what, what did you, you have want. to do for that five rand? Did you have to... So clean toilets, clean a car, um, unpack dishwashers, but like on a daily basis. It wasn't weed the garden, clean the pool, like there was a number of different... Prepare for adulthood 101. Uh, yeah, yes. it was great. It was really good. And did you appreciate at the time? Because I don't think kids do. Appreciate the I hated every minute of it. Oh my goodness. And I see that now with my kids. I'm like, guys, of course I'll give you 50 bucks, but you're going to go and do some work for it first. And I think that is so important to implement in children. And sometimes what I see could potentially be missing with um, some youth is you have to work for your money. It doesn't just doesn't just show up, you yeah. know. And also, an influencer is not a career. Although, like for some people, it may be, but like that's not. And uh, honestly, a lot of youth are just like, it's fine. I'm going to be an influencer, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a YouTube Lord. star. Excellent. All we need is more people's opinions. Over like hundreds of thousands <laughs> of followers that just are not, you know. Anyway, do you hate social media? I don't hate social media. No, not at all. I is think it useful in your work? Very useful. Okay. And I think that um, there's a lot of power with um, social media. Social media can be used for a lot of amazing things. 
Do I believe there's tons of rubbish out there? Absolutely. 99% of it's <laughs> junk. Absolutely. But there are some people that are doing some really amazing stuff and there's messages that really get out there really fast. If you think about emergency relief, that a lot of that gets out really quickly because of um, social media. A lot of movements around the world are able to be so successful because of what's happening around South, South Africa. Ugh. Social media. Social media, which yeah. helps. Absolutely. Yes. Back back to your kids and child labor. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> you have a four-year-old and an eight-year-old and then a 15 and a 20-year-old. Yes. The 15 and the 20-year-old may be harder to influence and a lot pricier. Um, yes. But it, uh, your eight-year-old's ready to do some tasks around the house. I mean, hopefully not break too much stuff. But he's, he's ready and he loves counting his money. And I mean, he has a little wallet full of like birthday money and chore money. And I'm like, what are you doing with that? And try like encourage him in his, you know, savings and what he's doing. But um, but yeah, it's the older two, I, I feel like I probably should put a little bit more effort in because they're closer to adulthood, you know, and sometimes I'm like, oh, have I done enough? Like, are you going to be okay? Um, when you're out in the world, you, you learn really fast when you're cast out. It's true. Um, well, cast out, that's it's a bit true. rough. But when you have to go out on your own, you do learn really quickly. I think parents need to be strong in not falling for giving, though, because that is a struggle. Like, Liam is... Oh, he's going to kill me. But Liam is in matric. <laughs> Liam is in matric now. And um, so, you know, it's all the matric dance things and all of good, those. Good. And I'm all for it, but I'm also like on a budget. Yes, yes. no problem. Um, so, and also like considerations he's studying next year. I bought my own car. I kind of expected them to do that. But now I'm like, is it actually safe, you know, safe for them to be, I don't know, not without without a vehicle I don't know so number of different conversations that need to be had but um, yeah we're doing the best we can <laughs> are you are you a saver or you're an investor do you put money away oh, absolutely I'm since forever I've always been a saver and investor and I, I could not um, I can't stress enough how important it was again another conversation I had today I had a lot of meetings today so a Clearly, lot of conversations all the details. <laughs> minutes. which is why I'm dressed for radio tonight but um, I was saying how I really feel I really feel strongly that a lot of the content in schools around finances could it's be oh, it's so crazy I mean there's so much in maths that I learned and in you know different subjects that I feel like I could have learned a lot more around finances that I'm only learning now when I'm 32 years old I would have set me up way better yeah. you know for the future um, but I be, I'm big on saving big on investing and also because Sia's career is really short like we've got to make wise decisions now um, for you know what the future looks like for us so um, at times to people it may look like we you know live these amazing high lives but it's all in the back of our minds that you know if you live a certain lifestyle you want to be able to maintain that and actually can you I have no problem you know when I was pregnant with Kezia actually my four-year-old I was actually working at a and b I was changing a bed today as well and I was explaining how I used to work at a and b so I used to change like tons of beds on a daily basis and sheets and and um I'm always happy to go down to the bottom if I have to and hustle if I have to. I have no problem doing that. Um, and I think sometimes you have but, to be but, willing. But your early childhood and that the breakup of the marriage and mm. all of that sort of stuff would have cemented in you the mm. fact that this stuff doesn't just happen. Yeah. Um, it has to be taken care of mm. and it has to be looked after mm. and it has to be grown. Mm. Do you, I mean, I don't think you've got time to sort of sit and trade shares 
on easy equities all day? Do you sort of outsource it to a financial advisor and say, please don't lose my money? Yeah, no, yes, we do. Do you, give your, do you give your financial advisor hell? Are you informed and up to date and are you able to challenge and question them? I'm really, um, I'm really, we are really blessed to have financial advisors that are really amazing and actually for the first time a woman um, financial advisor and um, she's very passionate about making sure that her clients are 100% aware of what is going on and how the financial markets and everything works so um, she actually set aside an entire day for me and explained all about hedge funds about um, you know private investing uh, market investing so all of it I completely understand now for for the first time in my yeah. life and it's it's really intimidating if you don't understand it it can be super intimidating and i think it's i mean i think it's less so now but i think it was designed that way it was we are the financial advisors we will tell you what to do so yeah. you be quiet don't ask us questions and trust us and pay us five percent of but everything you own all the money yeah <laughs> pay us all the money exactly now do you have any i mean do you, you can tell us mm. um you know do you have any bad money habits do you mm. have like as a family do you go and spend money you shouldn't. You see, I buy extra expensive rugby boots that he doesn't actually need that sponsors don't pay for. And things I mean, like that. luckily him, he's got Adidas to look after him. So no, <laughs> he never buys a rugby boot. Not yet anyway. But... Um, Yes. The, the yeah. skeletons. Everybody's got <laughs> Okay. See, so okay. And he's uh, hopefully not listening. But um, everyone who's podcast. listening, let's fine. just keep this a secret and don't tell Zia what I'm telling you now. Excellent. But... Um, he is because we grew up so differently i grew up super strict with finances super like on budgets making sure everything was organized all the time he did not grow up like that right he grew up um where there was hardly any food on the table so whatever he had was spent immediately because he had emergency needs so just two completely different yeah, ways sure. of growing up and dealing with finances but it's <laughs> it's definitely brought about some bad habits and he does love the finer things in life at times so um, there have been one or two instances where I've sent him back to shops <gasps> to, telling him to get the money back. I always tell him, I said, you marry the right woman, you'll save, you a bunch of, you'll save yourself a bunch of time and a lot of money. <laughs> as long as you listen up front. <laughs> that is true. Good advice, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> no, we all, I mean, we all have to learn that lesson ultimately. <laughs> I remember going to Cesar Tlasana's office when he was at First Rad <laughs> and he had all these mini cars these car models they're quite expensive they cost yeah. like 500 bucks each because yeah. like, my wife won't let me buy real ones <laughs> but i've subsequently learned she's got one or two nice ones as well um, and, it, and but it is about that real sense that it isn't about you and me yeah. it's about us and it's actually about a future generation of yeah. kids that we're responsible for and yeah. particularly i mean see will be fine he'll mm. go into leadership positions and he will you know once rugby hope so well, no, you know, <laughs> he, he one or two qualities that are admirable <laughs> and people aspire to so um it's it, it's that sort of faith in the future yeah um but at the same time it, it's knowing that the great rugby endorsements and all of that mm. stuff that comes with the great mm. life of being the captain of mm. the world championship rugby team yeah um, doesn't last forever i suppose yeah. and that's the the reality yeah and i think it's also just keeping in mind that that wasn't always our reality right he was you know just a, a, a local player and on a you know on a salary but very minimal and we had no idea that life would have taken us so we had to make a lot of financial decisions back then to make yeah. sure that we would be okay you know going forward and continue to I just think it's super important to get healthy financial habits as early on as possible and stick with it no matter 
if your financial changes for the better, your financial situation changes for the better, I think stay with healthy habits and um, and and really invest in making sure that you are financially, you know, secure for the future. Because we just, you know, there might be a pandemic. You never know. Like No, that could never happen. <laughs> you will never know, like, where you'll land up and what money might do and how it fluctuates. So I just, I'm a strong believer in if you've got healthy habits, stick with them. If you don't, get them sooner than later. Rachel Kulis, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming in. So nice to see you. And thank you very much for sharing with us this evening. Sorry, Sia, now I know your secrets. <laughs> That's it from The Money Show for this evening. Thank you for listening. Good night.